This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Bland, half-baked, disrespectful, overexposed, not worth your time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins now with former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. All right, Judd is out today, so it's Mackie with John Krasinski from The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Timberwolves. You can check out his stuff. Uh, Singy, did we get you through security at the airport? <laughs> no, I pulled over after I checked my bags in. Okay. So uh, I'm just standing over here by the side looking like uh, suspicious, I guess. Creepy pockets in the corner, yeah. <laughs> Um, let, let, let me throw this at you first here, because I think the, the Twins have been waiting. The Twins are going to be sellers, you know, barring uh, barring a ridiculous hot streak combined with Indians with their revamped bullpen losing a bunch of games. Twins are going to be sellers. Now that Manny Machado is off the board and he's with the Dodgers, is it fair to say that Brian Dozier and Eduardo Escobar could be nice little secondary options for teams that missed out on Manny Machado? Well, I think in a different you know, kind of in a different respect. Yes, uh, Brian Dozier, particularly for me, I mean, he's a free agent after this year, and you have the Boston Red Sox that need a second baseman. I mean, Dustin Pedroia is probably not going to be a contributor to the team this year. they got Brock Holt playing some second base. Brian Dozier would be outstanding for that team and for that ballpark. So uh, it's not expensive. I mean, I Red Sox were interested in Manny Machado. I, I, mean, I spoke with Dave Dombrowski and Tony LaRusso a few weeks back and just kind of was trying to frisk uh, them for information, and I <laughs> threw out some different things just to see what their response would be like. And, you know, the response was, hey, if you can get a Manny Machado, you make room for, for him. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they were open to that and at least, um, you know, trying to kick the tires on a deal. So now that he's not available anymore, Brian Dozier could fit perfectly for their team. And Dozier, I mean, you look at his second half of the last two seasons, I mean, 49 homers um, combined 16 and 17 and uh, an OPS almost of 1,000. So I know it's been a down year for him to this point um, from his previous numbers, but, man, he's the guy you catch that lightning in a bottle and, and help push you even further, you know, out in front of the division. I think, and that's the thing. He's such a polarizing player. I mean, I think people like his personality here in the Twin Cities, and he's always been charitable. and uh, And we've watched him come up from the low levels of the minor leagues and become this franchise type player. And the I think the two yeah buts to that would be just how streaky he can be. That he'll he'll disappear for two three months at a time and be almost unplayable offensively, where he'll hit one fifty over the course of 
two months with no power, and then all of a sudden, like last year, he'll hit 25 bombs in the second half of the season and carry a team. And then if you look, his numbers late and close in his career are historically bad. He's like a 195 hitter uh, in those late and close situations. But like you said, at the end of the year, he's going to give you the most home runs by a second baseman over the course of multiple years. He's going to give you uh, gold glove defense. And so you'd take the total package if you can live with the streakiness. Um, like uh, how, When a guy is that streaky and maybe doesn't perform in clutch situations, how much does that impact your evaluation of him? Or do you just live with the numbers at the end of the season? I, I think if you're a team like the Red Sox, you're going to look at it and say, we roll the dice and we're going to, you know, bet on the side that we get the, we get the good side, the lucky side. We know what he's capable of doing. There's no question about it. And because we're not committing ourselves to anything long term, this is a guy that, man, big home run. He's got the, and this is what the game is about, right? It's, it's home run, strikeouts and walks. That's what we're seeing more than, more than anything. And, and maybe, not as much across the board for the, the Red Sox lineup, but by and large, you saw that in the All-Star game. It's kind of, you know, the, the narrative now with, with baseball, and he's a guy, and that's what's going to win. That's, that, you know, he could be 0 for 17, but come up with that big home run that um, pushes a team into the next series or, or what have you. So, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of him for that. Uh, and I think getting him in that, in that environment as well, you just never know. You get a guy like Dozier into an environment like the Red Sox or it's another organization where you got some players around you and you're saying, Man, these are some these are some players that have performed well for a, a good amount of time or they're they're stars, superstars. I mean, I just think that can sometimes jump start a guy. Um, and all you need him to do is is be pretty good for, you know, a short amount of time. Hey, Chris, it's John Krasinski from The Athletic, and I just wanted to kind of zoom out a little bit on the Twins and get your perspective because, I I mean, I think there's some disappointment here locally with how things have gone this season, and you see Buxton and Sano in in the minors, and, and, you know, they had had the the good year last year, and I I just wanted to – I get the perspective that kind of fans look at it and and expect sort of the improvement to be linear. Like you 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 take one step this season, then you're automatically going to take the next step the next season, and the and the next step after that. And I think you know what we see this year with the Twins is that's not necessarily always the case. Uh, you, you, a, a player, especially a young one, may may hit some bumps in the road and, and, and go backward. And just what's your experience been like in seeing how that process? works for for teams and and maybe even for young players like like the twins have here and maybe is it is it a little bit foolhardy to kind of look at you know what what these guys had done earlier in their careers and expect that that progression to keep going at the same rate over and over and over again for year after year well this is a humbling game and um I remember in 2000, as a member of the White Sox, we won the division. We beat the Cleveland Indians, who were just, I mean, a dominant team. And we were fairly young. And we lost in the first round of the Seattle Mariners. But even though we lost it, you know, 3 nothing, you know, as far as the, the series, there was still a lot of confidence of like, man, we're kind of young. We're, we're, we're going to be better next year, so we're going to be back. And we weren't back in the playoffs the next year. And so, you know, the progression that you kind of expect, whether it be as a team, um, 
and experience that was gained and lessons learned that you're going to take a step forward the next year, it doesn't always, you know, translate that way. Um, and even for the player, and I would say for the player, this game, the way that this game is now, it, it's, it's almost a different game. I was joking last night, we were doing the Cubs Cardinals game and, uh, the, on, on TV, they were kind of panning the crowd and there were some very uh, elderly, you know, gentlemen, baseball fans. I think they were Cardinal fans. And I joked to my partner off air. I was like, these guys are looking at the game and saying, I don't recognize this game anymore because <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's swing big, you know, home run, strike out. Well, I mean, it's, and, and the shifts and everything that's going on. So I think for players, um, it's not as predictable as to how they're going to develop and progress at the big league level across the board, as you would think, based on success last year, because there's so many things that are changing. There's so much information and that teams have and their ability to really zero in more so on your weaknesses and exploit those. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, and it's, it's really unfortunate – you know, I did that game last year, the wild card game, Yankees and, and Twins, and I was the first inning. Boom, they got to Severino. It was like, oh wow! And the Twins are going to go on to the division series, and Cleveland doesn't want to see the Twins because during the season, they, I remember talking to Cleveland, you know, people, you know, team personnel, and they were like, man, we there's a matchup with the Twins. We're kind of concerned about that, and you know, you lose that game, but you expect, hey, they're going to be back next year, quite possibly, and uh, it's not going to happen. So. Yeah, it's a disappointment. Uh, I, I don't know the inner workings of the organization or even you know the fabric of that team, but I was getting excited as a baseball fan to see Minnesota kind of really be relevant again, especially after the years that I played in the American League Central and knowing, hey, this organization's a good, solid organization, and they're, they're a playoff contender um, for the most part year in and year out. That's been a gap in that, but... Uh, hopefully they'll find a way to get back to it. Chris Singleton, ESPN Radio. Find him uh, Sunday Night Baseball right here on 1500 ESPN. So uh, Machado to the Dodgers. You know, bump that team up a peg. You've got the Indians bolstering their bullpen yesterday. Uh, what are sort of your World Series power rankings right now? Or, or maybe frame differently, how many teams do you think realistically can win the World Series? Well, Well, I think... I think the Yankees could win the World Series, and everybody's like, ah, everyone says the I think Yankees, they're going to have, they're going to add, I'm sure, they're going to figure out a way to add their starting rotation. Um, they're a team that could win the World Series. The Red Sox could win the World Series. The Astros could win the World Series. Um, I'm looking now, and I'm saying, you know, the Dodgers could win the World Series. I still think that they've got to, they've got to add a piece or two, whether it's in the back, you know, into their bullpen or in their starting rotation. Um, Machado's great. It's a great ad. It's going to give them more depth. It's going to move Chris Taylor out of shortstop and, and give him some opportunities back in center field. Bellinger, not as many opportunities in center field, kind of more back at first base most. I mean, it's just going to give Dave Roberts a, a, lot, of, a, lot, of, a lot more depth. Um, but I still think they need some, some pitching help. Um, as far as the Cubs, yeah, the, the wild card with the Cubs for me is, is – you Darvish. I mean, this guy you signed in the offseason, but we got the injury now, and we also know that you know he's not been been good in, in high pressure games, high leverage games, and everything else. And that's not a guy that I, I don't think you can really count on, even if he's healthy. I mean, he's going to really have to prove something. So you know that could be uh, the downfall. Brandon Morrow as well. 
uh, a concern in the back end of their bullpen. But, you know, if they're healthy, they have a chance, um, a real chance to win. So I think there are. I mean, there are a number of teams, um, in my opinion, that are good enough to win it. Um, and I'd say, yeah, good, you know, a good three teams are pretty solid that you could say, yeah, any one of those teams could win. Yeah, should be a, a fun stretch run. All right, we're going to let you get back to airport security here just in case they have frisk you further. So great stuff. We'll, we'll catch up next week. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, All right Chris, good luck in the second half. Thanks, man. Chris Singleton <laughs> right. from uh, ESPN Radio. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a sharp dude, brings insight. I think his perspective, too, we get so ingrained on a daily basis with twins and up mm-hmm. and down, and, and, and it's like just because – your pattern didn't repeat itself the next year, good or bad, doesn't guarantee that that's the... It, they could still come back and win the division next year. Sure. If they... Maurer's contract comes off yeah. the books, maybe they sign a free agent or two, and also you get contributions from Byron Buxton that didn't exist this year. Miguel mm-hmm. Sano finally becomes uh, a 145 games guy next year. There's a lot of ifs, but I don't think this season means that, oh, they're doomed and they're back to like rebuilding for the next couple of years. No, it doesn't, but it also does mean that yeah, they have a lot of work to do and they yeah. need a lot of things to happen. That So, you know, same with the Wolves. I mean, maybe it's a one-year blip or and they're and they're back to what they were or maybe they continue on this path and 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 and, and keep climbing the ladder it's but it, 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 it it's going to take more for 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 all of that to happen for yeah. sure all right the nfl just repeatedly can't get out of its own way despite the fact that it brings in billions and billions of dollars every year so it hasn't mattered to this point and ratings are still ridiculous but uh, let's get to to that story when we come back. Plenty more on Timberwolves later on. Write that down. Predictions at the top of the hour. Phone lines are 651-646-8255. On the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities for my money and my family's. We've been going to the same place for 30 plus years. It's Luther Brookdale Toyota. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com is the website. And you can go to the website, click on the specials link. It's right at the top. You can't miss it. Just says specials right in front of your face. And you'll find out all the new lease specials. Like, for instance, the 2018 Toyota Camry, which has a sleek, sportier new exterior. And, I, and I'm kind of a lease guy these last six or seven years. I've gone between two and three year leases on Camrys and Corollas. How about this? You can get into a brand new 2018 Toyota Camry. No money down at signing. $309 a month, 36 monthlies, $309 a month. And you go in, you fill out the paperwork, test drive it first, check out all the new technology, the Entune system 3.0, and you owe nothing. You just walk out with an awesome new car and then you pay uh, very little, $309. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! Can I hit that quarterback in the face? Football. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! John Krasinski from The Athletic in the most predictable joint statement in the history of the NFL. This is the three paragraphs they sent out last night. The NFL and NFL Players Association, through recent discussions, have been working on a resolution to the anthem issue. In order to allow this constructive dialogue to continue, we have come to a standstill agreement on the NFLPA's grievance and on the NFL's anthem policy. No new rules relating to the anthem will be issued or enforced for the next several weeks while these confidential discussions are ongoing. The NFL and NFLPA reflect 
The great values of America, which are repeatedly demonstrated by the many players doing extraordinary work in communities across our country to promote equality, fairness, and justice. Our shared focus will remain on finding a solution to the anthem issue through mutual good faith commitments outside of litigation. Let me start the conversation by saying, I think the NFL has had for almost two years now an amazing chance to bridge a communication and maybe even cultural slash racial gap or divide. And instead of building a bridge, they've decided to pour gasoline on it. Yeah. I mean, they had a chance to say, all right, here's what's happened. You got a group of Americans, African-Americans represented by football players who are saying the system is broken or flawed according to our perspective in this, in this, in this way. And because no one wants to have a conversation about it or listen, we're going to do something to get people's attention. And then on the other side, rather than saying, okay, not in love with the entry point for discussion, but let's have that discussion and let's dive deep and let's peel back the layers. We just it, instantly, it's nope, no, con, don't inconvenience me. Shut up and respect the flag, right? There's, and the NFL could have come in and said, well, okay, we've got a lot of people shouting at each other here. Let's use our big muscles and our wide reach to bridge a gap, and they chose not to. And now it seems like they might finally have meaningful conversations with the NFL Players Association, which they basically blocked out from this discussion three months ago. Yeah, and and that's to me like the staggering part of it was toward the end of last year, these demonstrations were almost gone. No one was doing them anymore. And so then for the league to feel compelled to bring these heavy-handed, if you do this, this is going to happen sorts of stances. It's just basically daring the players, like, try it again and right. see what happens. Yes. Instead of, let's communicate and figure out a way so that you don't feel compelled to do that because we're trying to help in these other areas and to address it. That's what happened in the NBA. The NBA, for forever and ever, has had a collectively bargained um, rule that says you have to stand for the anthem, but they'll but they but they offer leeway to be able to do other things, right? right? Yes, and and so the players feel like they have a dialogue with the owners and the league, so that they can express themselves in other ways, so that they don't feel like they ever they've had to take a knee. Like LeBron has said, I don't I don't feel like that's we have other ways to do this, and and our league is going to help us do this, and so that's in. But with the with the NFL, it's very much a a heavy-handed. Um, we will decide what you're going to do, and 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 go ahead and and try and mm-hmm. and do something about it, and see what happens. And and like this, all this latest uh, little revelation about the joint uh, g- conversations with the NFLPA, which is actually a significant development. Shocking. Oh. Good communication is a significant development here. And guess what happened? Like it only came out because the AP wrote a story yesterday saying the, Dolphins. the Miami Dolphins um, have, as part of, have put the uh, any kind of demonstrations during the anthem in their personal conduct policy, which would open players up to a potential of a four-game suspension or fines. Now, everyone pretty much agrees that it probably would never get to four games, but there is that possibility of that uh, punishment being leveled. And so that comes out, and there is this huge backlash about it. And then hours later, magically, this... You know, great statement comes out between two sides, the union and the and the players and the and the league who hate each other. 
and all of a sudden they're everything's working great and oh this we're going to get this thing all figured out and work together and all this stuff when if the AP when they found this out if the NFL would have gotten ahead of it and said you know what we are having these conversations there's never going to be a four game suspension for kneeling down and yes. all this they would have avoided all it's of reactive, this reactive yes. reactive it's and, ridiculous and I can hear people screaming at their radios and you guys are correct in screaming this well, the NFL, just like any other workplace environment, has the right to say this three-hour window is our time, and you're not gonna you're not gonna alienate the fans that pay money and that generate revenue for our business. And 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 you are correct in saying mm-hmm. that. But keep in mind, the players are essentially fifty-fifty business partners with the NFL owners, right? And so, unless you think or the owners think you can just get rid of the best football players in the world if they don't want to do what we say and just bring in new players who will be obedient and the product won't suffer, okay, I guess you could take that stance. But the better way to go forward is, all right, listen, we all agree it's bad for business if a lot of people are taking this the wrong way. Mm -hmm. If we can't communicate it clear enough and, and people are taking it the wrong way, let's come up with a better way to advance this message or to to come up with some positive changes in a way that more people can wrap their arms around. Right. And like we're just now after 2 years apparently getting to that point. Right. Yeah, the a lot of the people who are frustrated with this are people who whether you're a mechanic, you're a, a car salesman, you're a whatever who goes to work every day, you punch the clock and you have a boss that you have to uh, please and do well for, or else you're going to be out of a job. And so there's a lot more leverage for that person um, on a daily basis than what uh, the owners have over these players. And if Pete or if uh, if Tom Brady, I know I know I know his his general stance on this, but if Tom Brady wants to come out and kneel before the anthem, he's going to do it, and there's not a darn thing that the Patriots are going to be able to do about it. That's just the nature of the talent that is being uh, employed and the value of that talent. And so uh, in those situations, it behooves a, a CEO or a um, coach or uh, an owner to say, let me find a way to not make this confrontational. And let me, you know, because clearly there are plenty of players who feel like they're being backed into a corner. For sure. There's a there's a story on Bleacher Report today about Jarrell Casey and a few others who are already talking about reviving this 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 protest um, because they feel like they're being told what to do and they're being ignored. And the reason it hasn't happened in the NBA is because those players don't feel like they're being ignored. They don't feel like they're being told what to do. And th- th- there's a there's a teamwork vibe, and this on the other hand is much more boss employee relationship, and that doesn't fly with guys who are making millions and millions of dollars right. and whose all these profits are built on the backs of. Correct, and it's also Judd nails this point whenever we talk about this too. It's that the the players association has kind of over the course of multiple years and decades put itself in this submissive yes. position compared to the NFL owners. And if you if you take that and then put it up next to the NBA, NBA players are not submissive to owners. In right. fact, NBA players run franchises. Mm-hmm. LeBron James ran the Cavs, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dan Gilbert uh was was 
was quoted as saying he's happy to have his team yeah. back, right? Imagine right. an NFL owner saying that about any player. It would never happen. Well, and also, the, I mean, the NBA owners like their money, too, and they've had significant wins in the collective bargaining agreements and the negotiations with players over the years to take more of the money from the players and put it in their pockets. So they're not, like, altruistic in this thing, but what they are smart about is understanding that there are other steps that they can take so that it fosters a sense of cooperation yes. instead of a sense of I am just taking advantage of you. And the NFL owners in their complete you know, foolishness have turned this into a, in a relationship with the players of we are running this thing and you have nothing to say about it. And, and so I would, you know, you can argue that the N, the NBA you know, have, has given significant financial gift backs over the course of the last 15 years or so and, and done a, a bunch of things that absolutely cater to the owners in this era of exploding franchise valuations. But thankfully to the NBA, the commissioner and the owners have, have understood that there are other things that they can give to make the players feel invested in this whole thing. And it just changes the entire tenor of any of these flash button issues that come yeah, up. The, the NBA owners and players, but specifically owners, look at their relationship as a partnership. Yes. And NFL owners, oftentimes, at least it comes off this way, uh, look at it as more of a dictatorship. No doubt. Dave, what kind of stuff do you have for us and stuff you should know about next? Well, I do have a couple basketball nuggets, uh, NBA and JBA. Yes, we are going there. And a baseball complaint from last night that Judd Zolgad is going to be sad. He's going to have to miss. Awesome. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. You've been ratted out, boys. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Walgreens. This summer, Walgreens has you covered with trusted essentials you need at a great value like sun protection, bug spray, and healthy snacks. Stop by Walgreens today for summer care no matter where. Walgreens trusted since 1901. Woo! Stop! You like that? The Rock knows how you feel about that. What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. I want to know! All right, Judd, uh, Judd on a little vacation here. So John Krasinski from The Athletic is hanging out with us, and Dave Harrigan has stuff we should know about. I absolutely do. Let's start with the story that I think Judd is going to be sad he missed out on. Last night, baseball returned at least for two teams. It was Cubs and Cardinals. Nice rivalry game. ESPN, uh, the uh, the regular Sunday night crew, Vaskersian, A-Rod, Jessica Mendoza, they were on the call on the TV side. and Well, Vaskersian had a little something to get off his chest. Two teams will see a lot of each other in the first couple of weeks out of the break. Those are my favorite seats. Bleacher seats at Wrigley. Oh, my God. Is there anything more obnoxious than the bachelorette party at the ballpark, by the way? I mean, why is it a congratulations, by the way? Yeah, we're all very happy for you. Because it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's such a look at me thing. You're sitting behind like the bridal party. Like, oh my God, you're getting married! Armager? Wow. Armager? 
Can I branch them out? Kind of harsh. I, I'd do a bachelorette party at a ball. That's where I'd probably be. I love it, Matt. <laughs> Take that o- over the alternative. <laughs> Which is what? <laughs> Vegas? Yeah. I think she was referring to Gentleman's Club. Is that what she was referring to? I think she probably was. Okay. Okay, were they sitting, like, right in the row in front of the booth? Or did they... No, it was out in the bleachers. Okay, so... But the the visual was, it was actually, I I don't know if it was the bride and the groom both doing the party together, but they were both there. The bride, she was a Cardinals fan, so she had on the red jersey with bride on the back. But he's a Cubs fan, so he's got on the blue jersey yeah, Romeo with Juliet. groom on the back. Yeah, that's good. You learn your lesson in that first marriage, and then you know maybe later on they'll <laughs> for their second marriages they can do something a little bit less obnoxious. Well, but yeah, like do, do I mean what does Matt want him to do? Would you rather go to Vegas and you know just gamble away all your your bridal money, or or I mean what's wrong with the ballpark? Well, he's, a good being, time? he's being a fun police officer, yeah. for sure. To be clear, were they broadcasting from the bleachers? Is that why it was so loud, or were they no. just showing... No, I don't believe they were. No, they were okay. just showing, you know, crowd shots in and around oh, Wrigley. Okay. It's, okay, a, that's, it's getting a group of people together and going and watch a ball game. Yeah, see, I thought that he was being distracted by the bridal party or something. No. Oh, he was just being a curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah. just being an absolute curmudgeon. <laughs> okay. He's not even that old, is he? Mad Vans no, Scourgeon? I don't think be, so. He's like, what, 45? Yeah, he's 50. That. He's been around for a while, I guess. Well, I mean, Judd's 48. He's a curmudgeon of well, some sort, yeah. so I guess you're allowed to be when you hit yeah. that age. Judd's 48 going on 78, though. <laughs> oh, that's Judd's an older spirit than Patrick Royce, and I'm, I'm not sure that's close. <laughs> Let's talk about somebody who's not a baseball curmudgeon. That would be Gabe Kapler, manager of Philadelphia Phillies. I like emotion in baseball. Yeah. I like I like players celebrating. I like high fives. I like seeds get, getting thrown up in the air. I like bat flip. I, I, don't, I don't believe in... Everybody has to be the same and and be. I love Matt Williams' style. Like when he's hit a home run and put his head down and sprint around the bases, I thought that's really cool. But I would not like to have everybody be like Matt Williams. Right. I think the game would be boring. Yeah. So I love you know Chris Archer's style. I love um, Odubel Herrera's style at, at the plate. I love Fernando Rodney with the arrows. <laughs> I love bat flips. I love I love Bryce Harper. Celebrating like he did last night, I I love all of it. I think yeah. it's good for baseball. Thank God this guy didn't get fired four games into the Dude, season. Yes, he was already my favorite manager, and I didn't even know that was his stance on <laughs> celebration. Are you in or out on excessive oh, baseball celebration? Pimp everything, man. Yes, Just talk trash, have fun, get after it. Like I love it. I I I I think it's the best ever. Like that's. That's entertainment to me. Like that's that breeds rivalries. That does that just brings some life to what is increasingly a lifeless product. Like whatever you can do to jazz it up, go for it. Yes, man. there was a the, the Twins game over the weekend. I can't remember which one, but the benches cleared a couple times, and it, it was basically Brian Dozier baited the uh, the Rays into a balk, and the Twins scored what looked like the game winning run at the time. That was the eighth inning, and it was mm-hmm. a five four lead for the Twins, and he's. He's pimping it down the third baseline. Awesome. Like he's celebrating yeah. and he cuts his home plate and the Rays get offended and then the bench is clear. <laughs> Meanwhile, in football, how many times in a season in a game does a quarterback with a hard count in a key situation in the fourth quarter get some defensive tackle yeah. to jump off sides? And what happens? Offensive line high fives, yeah. quarterback high fives. Yeah. And instead of getting mad at the quarterback and the offense, the defense gets mad at their own guy. Like if you're the Rays, get mad at the pitcher for freaking right. out when there's a runner on third. Yeah, yeah. I've always been a Deion Sanders guy. I've always been those kind of guys that just are flamboyant and have fun with it. It's I like personality in sports. Woo! 
Look at John Rahm right now. One leg in the bunker, one leg out. A That's nice pretty impressive. Shot. Beautiful. That uh, works all right. There was a, uh, was it, I'm trying to think of which golfer it was. I think it was Ricky Fowler yesterday. It was maybe in the same bunker with the same stance. And you saw the bottom of his golf shoe and it said nasty. Rory. Rory. <laughs> Rory. Was it was Rory? Okay. Yep. Nasty. Yes, nasty. Woo! All right, Johnny K, your choice. Do you want NBA or JBA? Um, I know where you're going, so I'll take the JBA. JBA. Let's look at the box score. The Los Angeles Ballers taking on the Atlanta, whatever they call themselves. What is the JBA, by the way? Just oh, you know what it is. Oh, is this the LeVar Ball? Los Angeles Ballers. This is the LeVar Ball. Come on. Yes. Yes. What does the J stand for again? Uh, is it junior? No, uh, I can't remember what it is. Does but it it's, matter? Really? No. It's 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 got to be something big and boastful. But yeah. is this remember. the league where they've only sold about forty tickets for one of the arenas? They Probably s- they score more points per game than they do have tickets sold. I'm okay. pretty sure. Go ahead. Sorry. The final of this game: one seventy to one twenty three. Los Angeles <laughs> edging Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> it gets and Angelo had all the points. Didn't miss one shot, according um, to LeVar. One of those is true. <laughs> one of those is true. He didn't quite have all the points, but he got a lot of the points. Uh, for that game, LaMelo Ball, he's the, the, young, the young ball. He was 18 of 35 from the field. 18 of 35 is isn't bad. That's 7 of 18 from 3. 5 of 5 from the line. 24 <laughs> boards, 14 assists. Wait, 24 boards? That's correct. How long are these games? <laughs> they are 48 minutes. They're, they're dude, three this dude, days long. This dude went... <laughs> Chuck and run. Chuck and run. It's like, a, it's like a cricket game. And it's 5 on 5? Yeah, that's... Uh, 24 <laughs> rebounds. As I understand, he played 45 point, uh, 45 Well, look, at there's 170 seconds. points scored. There's a lot of shots going up. Right. right. I'm just trying try to figure this. out how this works. Okay. Leangelo, uh, he's the captain of the squad. He played all 48. The captain doesn't sit down. 19 of 54 from the field. <laughs> That's not so good. <laughs> 5 of 24 from 3. Uh, 5 of 9 from the line. 16 boards. Eight assists. Okay, so did did LeVar just create this league to goose the box score statistics of his crappy yes. basketball player sons? Yes, essentially, yeah, absolutely. And like initially, he he put it out as an alternative to going to college, uh, that you could come here and we'll pay you money and we'll we'll, we'll have this competitive league and yeah. then you can get ready. Obviously, that's not going to work out, especially when the one and done goes away in the NBA. So, uh, but yeah, it's really just turned into this ridiculous kind of reality show on the court for for the two other balls who will never see the NBA. Who who are some of the other players that play in this league? Are there I, actual players who play in this league? I, I think there are, but I don't, you know, I don't know any of them. Like Are they all young or are there a bunch of are there 33-year-olds looking well, I, to Well, I, I think guys take the big 3 over this league if that if that says anything to you. So. So um Interesting. So Rashad McCants chose the big three chose the over big this three league. over going to the JBA. Yes, <laughs> big threes on broadcast TV. Oh, now. That's right. They're it playing is. that on Fox. That's the big, big three is like they've done a pretty good job branding. Have you ever met Lavar Ball in your basketball uh, travels? I was at uh, I was in Vegas for summer league the the year that Lonzo last year the late when Lonzo got drafted. And um, he did shots out of a pair of uh, size thirteen big baller and, brand shoes. Yeah, he came he came into the arena, and so I I interviewed him for a couple of things, and he was. Very much the Don King of 
of the NBA like like he is, you know, on TV that you see it doesn't change like he's always in character. Yeah, except instead of representing Mike Tyson, he's representing Peter a couple Peter McNeely. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Yeah. All right, let's go to the NBA. Uh, the big lead has labeled these the five worst moves of the 2018 NBA offseason. I want you guys to, uh, after I read through the list, give me your takes on it. Whether you like the list, whether you think some are not bad moves at all. Who, whether you, who, who is writing it? Uh, this is the big lead. Yeah, the, uh, the, do you know today. the name of the writer? Um, let me double check. It was Ryan Phillips okay, is the name. Who, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Houston giving... Jason McIntyre, is that where yes. you were going to... Hot yes. take artist? Yes. Not quite McIntyre. <laughs> nice try, though. Uh, Houston gives Chris Paul all of the money. Oklahoma City overpaying to keep Paul George. Chicago matching the uh, Zach Levine offer sheet. Spurs getting what he calls two cents on the dollar for Kawhi. And the Atlanta Hawks bringing in Jeremy Lin. Man, that's... I those, have, those are all terrible. Like, well, I, have, I have two thoughts. Okay, first of all, PG Paul George back to Oklahoma City is a fantastic move Absolutely. for Oklahoma you, City. They had to do it. Like, there, there. If they lost him, they had nothing else. Correct. Same with Houston. Like, now Chris Paul is going to be overpaid later on in that contract, no doubt. But they're trying to win a championship they, right yeah, now. They just had the Warriors on the ropes. They've lost Ariza and uh, Bamute. They, they needed to bring him back. Like. You know, and and what like Jeremy Linda Atlanta? Who cares? Right. Like, like they're not <laughs> it's, doing it's anything this year anyway. It's a literally an irrelevant move. Right. Like well, the other two. So uh, let's say the Zach Levine one for last because the Kawhi Leonard one's hard to answer. If I were the Spurs and the Lakers were offering either Kuzma or Ingram and a first round pick, I'd much rather have that and get younger and then. But I understand, I don't know if that was on the table, right. and even if it was, if you're Greg Popovich and you might only coach for like two or three more years, and you just won 47 games without Kawhi Leonard, okay, maybe it's appealing to get DeMar DeRozan. A multi-time year. all-star, right. good player, yeah. Uh, on Zach Levine, I'd much rather have Zach Levine four years, $80 million, than Andrew Wiggins five years, $150 million. No, yeah, that's true, but... Um, but I mean, also with Zach, like that's the most, that's the at least somewhat relevant, and you can at least have a, a discussion about is it a bad decision or not. I think with where the Bulls are in their total rebuild, they they invested in a player who's never going to cause a problem, going to work his tail off. Maybe he will never be quote unquote worth twenty million dollars a year, but it's not going to hamper them from from making moves into the future to. To kind of make sure their rebuild is smaller and shorter than than others. So, I mean, at least with Zach, there, there, you could say that. Look, he's still coming off a knee injury. We don't know how good he is defensively. Um, if he's ever going to get back to that explosion ath- athletically that he was, you can say those things. But, but by and large, it's not it's not terrible. But yeah. to have those as the five worst moves, I mean, that that guy, whoever wrote it, is zero for five. I think on these. Wow. And like was Zach Levine, okay. He, so the the Kings set the market. And now it's up to you. Do you want him for the next four years or not? And I think if you're right. the Bulls and you're just experimenting for a few years anyways, yep. the answer is, yeah, well, absolutely you want to see this thing through. Yeah, Why yeah, would they, you trade Jimmy Butler and then not sign the, the offer sheet for Zach Levine? Right. He had surgery before you traded for him. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, man, like this thing just popped up. And we just wasted five minutes on five terrible opinions. <laughs> on That's great. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of one of them, then let's wrap this up with uh, more Kawhi talk. This was two days ago. Greg Popovich. Uh, addressing Kawhi Leonard as a teammate. I want to know from you guys how many of the words that Popovich speaks here do you actually buy? It's all ridiculous. <laughs> Kawhi was a great teammate all the way through. He did his work. 
he was no problem for anybody, but, you know, talking heads out there have to have stories, and I get it. If I was a talking head, well, maybe I am. Uh, <laughs> I'd have stories, too, but, uh, you know, all those, all those stories that denigrated him in, the, in that regard, uh, that, that was unfortunate uh, and inaccurate. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that a guy that good and that young leaving an organization with players like Tony Parker throwing shots at him a year ago, I'm going to guess there was a little bit of, you know, tumultuous uh, stuff. in the tension. Yeah, yeah I mean, bit. Pop is doing what he has to do and being classy on the exit. Yeah, he's, but he's high road. It, it, it was clear last year that not only the players, but Pop a few, a few times took some veiled shots and they were really frustrated with how Kawhi handled this whole situation, and I think understandably so. But the last thing that they want to do now is 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 put gasoline on the fire so when the Raptors come to San Antonio, it's this huge, huge thing, and it still will be a huge thing. Yeah. But they're going to do everything they can to say... Guys, we all all is forgiven. We did, we did, we made our move. We did what we could. But I'm sure behind the scenes, they're incredibly disappointed and frustrated. I think I think Pop said everything he needed to by trading Kawhi Leonard yeah. to Canada. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Johnny K hanging out with us from the Athletic. Follow his Wolves coverage and subscribe to theAthletic.com. We've got the Crafty Rogues coming to hang out here in a couple hours. Game Show Friday. Write that down. Predictions in about twelve minutes. Mackie and Judd TCL broadcast studios. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Really, seriously, you guys are great together. Mackie and Judd. I just tune in and listen, and it's so satisfying. On 1500 ESPN. The X Games are happening right now at U.S. Bank Stadium. You can still get your tickets. It's running through Sunday, a full four days of the world's best action sports, music, and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet competing for medals and prize money, musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed, and X-Fest and the X-Fest Interactive Village. Tickets start at just $20. More details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, Dave. 651-646-8255. Write that down. Predictions in about 10 minutes. Johnny K in for Judd today. Brian, thanks for holding. No problem. What's going on, man? Yeah, say, you know, I, coming off the three-part series article in the Star Tribune and just everybody knows the elephant in the room, baseball is having, you know, their issues, base of play and all this and that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I got the fix. I want to fix baseball. I love baseball so much. It's just killing me seeing what's happening to it. What's your fix? Here's my fix. Three things. Jim Cott in the seven-inning game, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's as sacrilegious as that. that. That's pretty tough for me to swallow. I say, you know, as much as I love the art of the foul ball and whatnot, it really, you know, has a lot to do with slowing down the game. Let's just go to the 3-2 count. Let's go to the 3-2 count. One less pitch for the pitcher to waste. One less pitch for Joe Mauer to take. <laughs> Let's get it on. Let's get it to a full count. Let's start having our fall balls. There's number one thing. All right. I might, I, might bar- I might bargain you down to a, like a two-and-one count just to give a little more leeway to pitchers, but all right, all right. I said three-and-two. Yeah, I know. Well, you wanted even more, two-and-one. No, you're saying start with a full count. No, no, he's saying three balls, two strikes. 
right? Yeah, instead of four or three. Oh, I get you. Okay, so we're saying, yeah. So just yeah. make, yeah, okay, gotcha. You're going to cut down the pitches by probably 30% in a game by doing that. Gotcha. It's all about pitch count. Enough with these relief pitchers. Enough with the garbage. People pay to see starting pitchers. I don't go pay to see some crap Tampa Bay guy, some opener, come out here to pitch a game. That's not what you pay for. Jack pay Morris. to see Justin Verlander. Give me those starting pitchers. 30% less pitches in the game. 10-man pitching staff mandated. No more than 10-man pitching staff. Utilize them however you want to. I suggest that might even push things back to a four-man rotation with 30% less pitches in the game. All right. Number three, the replay system is just an absolute joke. It's a complete time-wasting thing, yet I want everything to be right. Why did managers ever be involved in deciding, you know, whether a, a play is good or not? You know, the umpires should have an earpiece in their ear, and New York tells them, stop, hold on a second here. You'd cut the time uh, in a third, probably. It is hilarious how the, the umpires have to, so the manager has to put his hand up, and then the, um, the umpires have to go back and put on, like, the airplane headsets, and they run some employee out there with a little screen. I mean, come on. It's, it's ridiculous. It's bad in football with the throw and the red flag malarkey. It's like, why are the coaches in charge of refereeing the game? That's not their job. And then a ref has to run 70 yards yeah. over to this little booth that he doesn't, and he's not even really making the call anyway. It is so there you go. All Those right. three things. I'm telling you, the batters would be under pressure to do something. I played softball forever and forever, but I couldn't hit. My big thing was to try and just hit a line drive over the first baseman's head and run like a banshee. You know? Were you a, were you a right-handed hitter? Yeah, right-handed hitter. See, that's what Max does. Intern, yeah. intern Max is all about the opposite field lasers in softball. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just run fast, and you can be a good player that nah, way. See, they always said that chicks dig the long ball. Chicks That's dig, probably true, though. Chicks dig oppo. Little, <laughs> little seeing-eye singles yeah. opposite field. Brian. All I know is when I hit that first one foul, I was under such pressure because I had, you know, the next one I strike out. I didn't want to strike out. And I know players don't care about striking out anymore, but I'm telling you, it would change the mentality. Especially, especially if you had to buy a six pack for uh, for your teammates for every strikeout. That's what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. You strike out, you don't pull the ball and play. You you owe a six pack to the next guy in the batting order, just like softball. Brian, thank you for the call there. Um, I wouldn't hate anything that speeds up plate appearances. Just mm-hmm. something that. Let's go, guys. Come on. Let's. Uh, someone someone floated the idea. Some MIT baseball fan from MIT listed 10 things they would do to fix baseball. One of them was a dynamic strike zone that I want to say it starts wider and then gets more narrow. So it's in center, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know, whatever it is. Like, I think it starts narrow and then gets wider. Gets wider so, you gotta, so, so you have to swing, swing early, throw the ball over early, something yeah. like that. That no, might I, just increase walks though. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I like, I like expanding the strike zone, I guess a little bit. Um, I, you know, I, I do like the replay idea because for me, like the thing that is frustrated with me with replay in all sports is how the referees on the site have to feel like they're involved in it and and they have to say, oh, no, I have to sign off on this or be a part of this. Yeah. No, you don't. It, it, to me, like there should just be an eye in the sky. Hey, you missed that call. Okay. We missed that call. You go on to the next one and just make it quickly like that. Um, I, I like 10 man pitching staff idea. I don't know if I go down to a three, two count, but I've, I've said that I, I wouldn't, I would not be opposed to an illegal defense. Like, okay, let's, let's just 
level the playing field a little bit more and try and get guys to put the ball in play a little yeah. bit more than they do right now because you know they, the NBA has an illegal defense. Um, you know something like that to just kind of promote putting the ball in play a little bit more rather than just swinging for the fences. And I just and I wish stolen bases were more of a more more of a factor these days. I don't. I don't get why they're not, but th- that's one of the yeah. most exciting most, plays in baseball. Most and, most teams draw the line. They, they they do the math on it, and they draw the line at like eighty percent success rate. So mm-hmm. if you're a player that can that can succeed eighty percent of the time, then you get the green light. But most guys can't, so mm-hmm. they just shut it down altogether. Mm-hmm. And you, it's it's hard to find those guys like Vince Coleman who yeah. are going to get thrown out thirty five times in a season and just going to run 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 all the time. Yep, Johnny Craw hanging out with us from the Athletic. Let's come back with write that down. And an accountability session. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.